It's the Chronicles of Aguna, and we're live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition, we're going to be discussing the news that Arsenal's UEFA Europa League tie with Benfica has been switched to Rome. Arsenal will take on Benfica in Rome due to the travel restrictions in place between, of course, the UK and Portugal. Um... So, yeah, we're going to be digging our teeth into that, what that means, whether it's fair, whether it's unfair, whether UEFA actually had any choice. Uh, We'll be discussing all of that. And we're also going to be discussing the fact that the home leg for Arsenal is also likely to be switched now off the back of that decision having been made. Uh, In the interest of fairness, we think, and as is reported by Mark Mann Bryans of the Press uh, of the Press Association, the second leg is likely to be moved as well to a neutral venue. So lots to get our teeth into. We're going to be touching on that. We're going to be talking a little bit about Kieran Tierney um, and his fitness. We'll be discussing um, perhaps a little bit more about the Saliba thing. If you've got any thoughts and didn't catch the stream earlier on, um, so yeah, lots to come on this show. A big hello to uh, to Manny, to Retzel, uh, to Franklin, who are all in the chat now. Um, thank you for your very kind words. Uh, big hello to Manny and Retzel, who says, uh, great content, great channel. Thank you so much. Manny says, I finally got a notification. I'm glad to hear it. I don't know why the notifications are so temperamental, but I've noticed that that is a YouTube-wide thing. It's not just here um, because I see it with channels that I'm subscribed to. When other people go live, I don't always get the notification uh, as well. Sometimes it takes me logging on to YouTube to see that that video is live to actually finding it, which I know is a little bit annoying. Uh, a big hello to everybody else who is listening to this back later on or is um, subscribed via the audio platforms. Hope you're all doing well. Um, right, without further ado, let's get into the news. So um, Arsenal's Europa League last 32 first leg against Benfica has been moved from Lisbon to Rome due to the coronavirus travel restrictions. So that game is going to take place on the 18th of February, but it's one of a number of games at the moment in European football that is being moved. It's being uh, changed to another venue to try and get around the travel restrictions in place uh, with certain countries. And I guess, you know, the travel restrictions are there for the safety of people. So I haven't really got an issue with it. Um, You know, it, it needs to be done um and and it is what it is we said at the beginning of this season uh, you know when this season started i think we all had to accept that it was never going to be like a normal season you know there were going to be interruptions there were going to be virus there were also going to be games whereby the circumstances around them wouldn't be ideal just because um of the way of the world right now and the fact that we need to make sure that these games are being played in safe environments Um, Earlier this month, of course, it was confirmed that Liverpool's Champions League round of 16 tight against RB Leipzig 
will take place at the Pushkas Arena in Budapest as opposed to Germany. And now, of course, Manchester City's game against Borussia Mönchengladbach is also being moved uh, to that venue as well. Now, um, according to the, the, the initial report from PA Sport, uh, Arsenal's game has been switched. Portugal is on a red list of countries to which travel is currently restricted. And although elite sports teams were granted exemptions from these rules in the past, they've been denied this by most governments for the latest round of cross-border fixtures. So the government's really having to uh, to knuckle down and you know make the, the, the measures a lot more stringent, a lot tougher because of the, the, the growing worry around the coronavirus. You know, we thought it'd all be done and dusted and, and gone by now, but that's really not been the case. Um, what else have we got here? Uh, the new venue is expected to be in Rome and will likely, it's not 100% confirmed, but will likely be the Stadio Olimpico. Uh, further venue changes are expected in the near future as well, with journalist Mark Man Bryans reporting that Arsenal's home leg will be played at a neutral stadium as well. So we're going to have to wait and see uh, on that one because we don't 100% know Um you know, we don't a hundred percent know. We don't a hundred percent know. Sorry, whether that's going to happen, where it will be switched to. We don't know that the the Olympico is is a hundred percent going to be uh, the venue either. But in Rome, it makes the most sense, doesn't it? Uh, big stadium, big old stadium, big historic stadium. And I guess, you know, you're looking at it now when we're talking about the the home ties, the away ties. Does it make that much of a difference? without having fans in the stadium? Arguably not. Um, so I'm not majorly upset about it. In fact, I'm not upset about it at all. It's something that has obviously had to be done for health and safety reasons. It's to get around the protocols in place, but also ensure that the tournament continues and finishes, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, um, that's what it is. That's That's what's going to happen. Arsenal are going to play the first leg in Rome and we believe the second leg is going to be switched to a neutral venue as well. Let me know your thoughts. Are you are you particularly fussed by it? Do you think it will make a difference regarding the outcome of the tie? Remember, there weren't going to be fans in either stadium anyway. Um, you know, for me, it would be ideal if we saw, like Brad uh, says in the comments, if we saw it concluded the way it was last season where um, all ties will be played in the same country, um, you know, in the latter stages, of course, we saw the Champions League, didn't we? At the back end of last season, concluded all in Portugal. We saw the Europa League concluded in Germany. The difference here is that, of course, that was at the end of the season. The domestic seasons had finished. So teams were able to go to a country and basically stay there, um, you know, in between different rounds of the tournament because the tournament was being played at the end of the season. Whereas now... Um, in the middle of a domestic season, it would be difficult because it would mean the team going there, coming back, going there, coming back. So if you're going to go there and come back anyway, then you might as well, then playing it in, in two different countries isn't really an issue. The only thing I would say is, is I understand why there are some people out there who think that that is more sensible, given that we're trying to restrict travel as much as we can. If you've got Arsenal going to Rome and then you've got Arsenal going to, I don't know, for argument's sake, Germany or, or Hungary to play their second leg, then it's a bit like, well, you're still sending Arsenal to two different countries. So what, and you're sending Benfica as well. So why not just play them in their home stadiums? I get that as well. Um, 
But what we've seen throughout this this crisis is that football has had to has had to adhere to government rules, to government restrictions, and all along they've had to constantly prove that they can, um, you know, that they can manage the sport in a way that is safe, in a way that is not going to uh, put people at greater risk. And to be fair, for the most part, look, we had a little bit of a surge around cases um, of the virus around Christmas when people were breaking off, going with their families. But right now, um, that is, that those levels of infection have come down dramatically again. And it feels like we're in a place with football where actually it is relatively safe or is safe enough and we can move forward and we can continue playing. Um, so, yeah, look, it's one of those things. UEFA, the governments of the respective countries, they need to jump through hoops to make sure that football is not stopped. And we've seen, as we saw it last year, UEFA will do their utmost, their absolute utmost to make sure that their tournaments go ahead. We expect um, the European Championships to go ahead as well without any sort of real hiccups. So that's just where we're at. Um, and uh, yeah, Arsenal are going to go to Rome to play Benfica in the first leg. And according to PA Sport, which makes sense, to be fair, um, the second leg is going to be switched to a neutral venue also. Um, so, yeah, cool. Let's see uh, what else you guys, what you guys are saying in the chat about the whole thing. So Manny says, I just have a feeling we might step up in the Europa, maybe not win it, but we could go deep. Um, Chris says this is intriguing. Um Clement on the game says we will lose home and away. Not very confident, obviously. Uh, Russ says they should just make all of them one-legged ties. Yeah, I think I wouldn't be surprised if you saw that changed later on in the competition. So at the round of, uh, in this current round, I don't think you'll see it change now. I think they've hung their hat on the two-legged ties. But I wouldn't be surprised if in the, the, the rounds going forward, you saw that that switch made. It becomes a lot easier, doesn't it? Um, you know, when you're talking about when you're talking about the logistics of things. The only issue is as well, though, um, that you've got to remember is that by by limiting the ties to one leg, is that benefiting Arsenal? Because we know that Arsenal can have off days, and and by limiting the ties or, or condensing them down to one leg that opportunity to correct the wrong in the first leg is no longer there. Um, so I'm not sure from a totally footballing perspective that I want to see the ties turned into one-off knockout matches. I think from a football perspective, I would prefer that they keep them to two legs, but I also understand logistically that might not be easy to do. It might not make sense either, really, when you think about the number of games teams are having to play right now in a short space of time. Actually, it doesn't make sense. You know, one-legged tie... I think to, to some managers will be appealing, but just my personal perspective, I think is when you make a tournament like that, when you play one-legged ties, you, you can't afford to have off days. And and when we've seen Arsenal have many off days this season, I worry about that. I really do. Um, what else have you guys got to say? Uh, Big hello to SP who says, Arsenal fan from India. Just wanted to say, love the content and keep up the awesome work. Thank you very much, mate. And uh, thank you. Uh, for joining us. Uh, Xander says maybe both legs should be played at one stadium in a three to four days before the teams return to their respective country. Yeah, that that's another good option. Uh, Brad, one of our members as well, also asked um, 
about the, the idea of making them one leg ties. That's my kind of view on it. The, the view I just shared with you, uh, it makes sense from a logistic point of view. It makes sense from the fact that we're playing a lot of games in small periods of time at the moment. And that's a problem, but I don't know necessarily if I want that to be the case. Um, when it comes to, to Arsenal and their chances of of going on and winning the Europa League. Uh, I want to say a massive thank you to AFC High for your kind uh, super chat donation. He says, Harry, what will happen to Saliba with his situation? Will this affect the, his chances at Arsenal uh, due to sponsors, etc., etc.? Really interesting question, this one. Um, spoke at length about the, the Saliba situation in the last podcast. And I said that I felt that this this could be this whole situation could could be a real problem for William Saliba now and and I, without kind of repeating exactly what I said on the last stream which you can check out um it's available now on the channel it's available on all major podcast stores as well what I want to say is I worry that the combination of this video and the recent interviews that he's been given in which he's been very vocal about the fact that He's not been happy with the way he's been treated. He's not been happy with Mikel Arteta kind of making a very quick judgment and assessment on him, leaving him obviously out the squad for the first half of the season and then moving him on on loan. He's made no secret of that. You know, he's not a happy bunny, William Saliba. He's not impressed. The problem is, though, um, you know, has too much happened between Saliba and Arteta for that relationship ever to go back to what it should be or, or to start fresh. I don't know. You've also got to remember that that the club will, will obviously frown upon what William Saliba's video uh, shows. Um, and, you know, we know that Mikel Arteta historically is not a manager who, who, who takes well to players going out in public and airing the club's dirty laundry. And he he won't be impressed by what he's seen from Saliba in the media lately. And that, in my opinion, was damaging his chances of coming back as it was. But for this video now to emerge, you know, and there are some conspiracy theorists who, who seem to think that perhaps the, the video was leaked on purpose to do damage to Saliba, to kind of push him back into a corner, to kind of sit him back down and say, hold on a minute, you know, what are you doing here? You know, know your place kind of thing. Um, and, and I don't know that that's the case. And, and you know, I'm just kind of going along with, with some of the speculation I've been reading. I, I'm not convinced that is the issue or that is what's gone on. But it just feels like with each passing week right now, William Saliba is digging himself a hole that I don't think he's going to be able to get out of. You know, it's all good going on loan and playing at Nice and doing well, which he is. And, and you know, fair play to him on the pitch. He's doing the business. But you know, people are, people have come to me today and said that they feel like he's maybe trying to engineer a move away uh, from Arsenal Football Club, that he's that fed up, he's that disappointed and almost disgusted by the treatment uh, of him since he, he joined after that initial loan spell at Saint-Étienne. But the reality is if you're a big football club, a big enterprise whose image is, is obviously very important to them and, and you've got a player who has A, shown that he's willing to throw the manager under the bus when things aren't going his way, has shown that he's, you know, he he's, doesn't really have the, um, you know, he doesn't really have the, I don't know, look, he doesn't really have the, the kind of media training, you know, 
Um, some will say he's doing it on purpose. I, I've put it down to him just being a little bit naive, if I'm honest. So there's that. And also now, you know, the, the, the image of the club being brought into kind of disrepute because of a video, even if it was taken, um, you know, before he joined Arsenal. He's an Arsenal player now. He's associated with a football club. And I don't think they'll take kindly to that. I mean, you know, we we saw um, we saw Mesut Ozil essentially moved out of the club because he was outspoken, because he politically, you know, decided that he wanted to make various statements that um, that the club moved very quickly to distance themselves from, whether they were uh, wrong or right, you know, is not really the thing here. The point is that Arsenal distanced themselves very, very quickly from, from Mesut Ozil's political views because they were controversial, where this video is certainly controversial. And um, I, I don't really know where this goes now for William Saliba, and he's going to become the subject of much, uh, much abuse now. Uh, we've already seen it on social media. There's been homophobic abuse. Um, there's been all kinds of other jokes and things, or they're supposed to be jokes, but you know, you know what I'm trying to say, uh, doing the rounds about him at the minute. So yeah, um, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure if, if this is, um, this latest thing could be fatal in his, in terms of his Arsenal future. I, I, I and, and I'm not just jumping the gun here, you know, and, and I've, I said it on the previous stream. This for me is not just about this video. So so please don't take it that way. This is not me saying that one video that was recorded years ago, which actually doesn't show William Saliba doing anything wrong. It shows a, a colleague, a teammate, whatever, you know, alongside him getting up to something he shouldn't be. I'm not saying that in itself is fatal. However, what I am saying is the combination of that plus the interviews he's been given where he's been, you know, really digging out Mikel Arteta um, and kind of making it clear that he's unhappy with the way things are going at Arsenal. That for me does not bode well. Um, and, and I feel like his Arsenal career could, um, could be on the ropes. And for those of you that haven't seen, um, William Saliba's uh, comments about Mikel Arteta and the situation he found himself in at Arsenal. I'm just going to read some of them to you uh, now because he's basically said that he was, he's basically made it clear that he wasn't impressed with the way he was treated. And this is what he had to say. He said, uh, it is clear that so much has changed in the last year. Now, of course, Saliba was talking to RMC Sports, top of the foot show. He said, when I saw that the coach changed a lot, changed for me too. Sorry, when I saw that the coach changed, a lot changed for me too. He's talking about obviously Unai Emery uh, being moved out. He said, in this year, there has been a lot of change in my personal life as well. He, Mikel Arteta, judged me on two and a half matches. I would have liked for him to give, for him to play me more, but he told me I wasn't ready. I was waiting for him to give me a chance, but football is like that. When I initially came to Arsenal, the league looked very good. So I showed up to training and wanted to train on my own to show the coach I was ready. I am happy now. I want to play for Nice. The idea when you're part of a team is a better feeling for me. And then, you know, he, he, he was talking about it in other publications as well. He spoke about it to, to L'Equipe as well, where he said, there was a lot of factors, I think, because when they were finishing their league season, I was in quarantine at home where I could only run one kilometre in my house. And then there was this thing about the Cup de France final 
We didn't know if I was going to be able to play or not. What I mean is as soon as my contract finished with St. Etienne, I wasn't able to train until an agreement was found. That was for two weeks. I wasn't training and the others had already started training again. After that, then I went over there at the end of July. They had one more week, so I was training all alone. They came back from holidays two weeks later and I was still training by myself. When they came back, I played in two friendlies, but I wasn't ready. I hadn't played for six months. I had no preparation. And to pick up rhythm, you need to play matches. The coach told me I wasn't ready. I thought that's normal. These were just two matches and I hadn't played for six months. After that, I waited for my chance. I waited for him to play me more to get a rhythm. But that's football. It's like that. It's behind me. And I took the experience. So this is what I mean. You know, this is not one interview. This is not two interviews, you know. William Saliba has been constantly beating that drum about the fact that he's unhappy with with the way Arsenal have treated him. So I don't think that Arsenal and Mikel Arteta will take kindly uh, to that kind of talk in public. That's that's my opinion. And that combined with that video, I, I think it puts him in big trouble. Look, if he bounces back from it, fair play to him. But I, I do worry that that this could be Uh, a serious problem. Let's go back to your live comments um, and see what you guys are saying. Omar says, Harry, do you see fans returning next season? Omar, I hope so. Um, I hope so. Uh, You know, here in the UK, the vaccine is being rolled out pretty quickly. I don't think everybody will have had it by the time the next season starts. But I think the the, the majority, at least of those who are medically more vulnerable will have. So, I hope to see fans back. I'm pretty sure that we won't see full capacities back Uh, initially. I think it will be a phased return, but, you know, I'd like to see fans back in some capacity. I think mentally we just need it, man. You know, I think it's affecting the football as well. I think the level of the football has dropped off the back of there being no fans. I think it makes games worse to watch on TV, even as a spectacle where there's no fans. So, yeah, I I hope so. Um, I'm hopeful that with the kind of efficiency of which they're rolling out the vaccine here in the UK, that it will happen sooner rather than later. And I, I've not been the biggest fan of the way uh, COVID has been handled in this country, but in terms of the vaccine, it is being done uh, very well. Credit where credit's due. Uh, big hello to uh, Saeed Abdullah. Big hello to Shubham, who says Saliba was the mole Harry. Um, I'm not sure about that. Some people... Can you hear me? Can you see me? Yep, I think I'm back. Uh, Sir Brian says, Harry, nice show. Always, as always, mate, brilliant. Thank you so much, man. Um, Really, really appreciate your kind words. Uh, Let's check in where we are on the likes right now. Have we got um, as many likes as we need? We've got 28 likes at the moment, but we can easily get that up to to 50, surely. Um, Hit the like button if you haven't already. It is very much appreciated. Big hello to Patrick as well, who says, how you doing? I'm all good, mate. Thank you so much. Um, Chris Pantelli, just touching on the Saliba thing, says, I'm not too bothered by this, Harry. At the end of the day, it's about what happens on the pitch. If the Arsenal who beat United and Chelsea turn up, we have a chance. If not, we are out. So he's talking about the Europa League there as well in that same comment. Um, What else have we got here? Um, Xander asks, do we prioritise personnel for the Europa with all the injuries and niggles we continually have in the Premier League? If you had asked me this two weeks ago, I would have said at this point, 
you can't make that decision. I would have said that at this point, you still need to go for broken both. I was okay with Mikel Arteta. Um, I'm not going to say throwing away the FA Cup because I still think he picked a team that he probably felt was good enough, um, you know, to win it, was good enough to to compete with Southampton on the day. It just wasn't to be. But after losing to Wolves, after losing to Aston Villa, two games in which I I wanted four points. I said that I said that I wanted seven from Wolves, Villa, and Leeds. I said that was seven was the minimum that we could afford to pick up while still giving ourselves an outside chance of finishing in the Champions League, which is ultimately right, Arsenal's goal for the season. Arsenal's aim this season is to get back in the Champions League. Now we may not achieve that aim, and that aim may be adjusted later on in the season. We may look at it and say, right now we just need to get into Europe full stop. Um you know, for the, the the finances that that brings. But now having lost at Wolves, having lost at Villa, top four is going to be very difficult for me. And of course, that means that the only viable route back into the, back into the Champions League would be via the Europa League. So he's got to, he's got to prioritise it. But at the same time, you know, 10th place in the league is not acceptable. So Mikel Arteta needs to fix that as well. And um, I'm not sure what the right balance is. I accept what you're saying, though. The, the Europa League, you know, when it comes to players like Kieran Tierney, Thomas Partey, for example, who we keep seeing break down time after time after time with those players, I think it's about Mikel making a bit of a decision now. Yeah, I do. Um, Rahul, who talks about Partey, who I've just mentioned, he says... I'm really surprised and gloomy about how Partey is getting injured constantly. Yeah, look, it, it is a worry, isn't it? It is a concern because when you look at his record prior to joining Arsenal in terms of his fitness, it was very, very good. It was very, very solid. And all of a sudden, it feels like he's... I, I don't know. Is it is it the increased intensity in the Premier League? Is that what he's struggling to adapt with? Did he never really get back to full fitness in the first place from from the initial injury? And I know the problems are not all uh, all directly related, but of course, if you're not hundred percent fit, you're more likely, aren't you, um, to to pick up injuries of some form? So, is that what it is? I don't know. Look, a lot of it is is down to rotten luck for me. As I said, Arsenal would have done their due diligence on Thomas Partey, and if you looked at his medical record prior to coming to Arsenal, it was really, really good. And it was certainly nothing to be concerned about. It's just not been um, not been the case here, though. So I do worry um, about it as well, because we've seen what a difference Arsenal as a team are with him and without him. And you look at the other options, you look at Danny Ceballos, who's not really getting a look in at the moment, is looks like he's destined to, to return back to Real Madrid at the end of the season. And I don't think there'll be any permanent... Uh, transfer on the cards there and you look at Mohamed Elneny and you just think the, the difference is is massive and he is so important and fingers crossed he can put these injuries behind him but you're not the only one Raul who's a little bit worried about it I've got to be honest um, Saeed Abdullah just touching on the Saliba thing says this is why you can't judge Arteta now because he's had to deal with a lot of issues yeah and I said that on the last stream as well mate you know it's um, it's a much it's a uh, it's a much bigger, um, you know, the things have been bigger. There's been bigger problems, I should say, um, behind the scenes that maybe as fans we didn't all know about. Um, I know the thing throws 
um, a little bit earlier on. Just give me a thumbs up in the chat if it's all good now. Um, apologies for that. I'm sitting on my couch today instead of in the um, in the studio room. So I don't have the wired connection, but get, seeing as I'm sitting bloody opposite the router, I thought it'd be fine, but obviously not. Uh, <laughs> it's me being lazy, so my apologies. Um, right, let's see what else you guys are saying. Andrew says, my gosh, smash the like button, you people. Yes, please do hit the like button if you haven't already. Um, <laughs> Omar says, Harry, do you think Partey's diet has anything to do with his recent injuries? He's come out recently and confessed his love for Indomie noodles, which I was baffled by. I saw that. I saw a little clip of that on social media. That I wouldn't really read into that, mate, if I'm honest. Um, what else have we got? Um, Bad Boy says, how big is his house? Whose house? <laughs> um, are you talking about mine? If you're talking about mine, it's not very big at all, I can assure you. Wish it was, but it isn't. Um, Alfie Keen says, what's wrong with them comments? Talking about Saliba's comments. What's wrong with them is that they're just unnecessary. Like, who do they benefit? The only person that he needs to be telling that he's disappointed in, in the way he's been treated, is Mikel Arteta and Edu. They're the only people that need to know that. He could have easily just said, look, I I, I thought I'd get more chances, um, or I hoped I'd get more chances, but obviously it, it wasn't to be. And now I am fully focused on proving to people that I deserve a chance, proving to people um, that I am ready and this is my chance at Nice to do that. I feel part of the team here at Nice. I'm delighted to be here. And now my focus is on proving myself um, again. And then we can see what the future holds from there. That's what he should have said. There's no need to go, oh, he judged me on two and a half games. He kept coming and telling me I wasn't ready. Da, 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 talking about, oh, I came back from training and I was training by myself. And there's no need for all of that. It's just... What he's doing is he's trying to defend himself, but in defending himself, it can be seen as him attacking um, his manager. And, and and that won't bode well with Mikel Arteta, I can tell you that. Uh, Maxwell, just going back to the initial news, will the Europa League game be a one-off? No, um, not to my knowledge. What's being reported at the moment is that the first leg will take place in Rome and a second venue will be selected for the home tie. Mans Anderson points out that the French Federation has opened an investigation into Saliba. Um, it's looking bad for him. Yeah, because, of course, in that video, um, it looks as though, and, you know, I'm just going to double check this. Um, where is it? Hold on. You know, it looks very much, doesn't it, if I'm not mistaken, that that video is is of Saliba on international duty. Let's um let's just quickly double check that. I'm not gonna watch the bloody whole thing. I just want to see what he's wearing. Yeah, it's, he's wearing a French top. Um so yeah and, and so are the rest of the players. So it's obviously whatever that is that's occurred um it took place on international duty at some at some level and, and the French Federation will not take kindly to that. And this is my point look if the French football federation want to look at that and want to investigate it then why would Arsenal just go, oh, yeah, this is perfectly fine? Whether they say anything publicly about it, 
is is a is one thing that they probably won't. I expect Arsenal to just gloss over it. I think Mikel Arteta, when he next faces the press, I think you can all expect him to say, we, we would deal with this internally and that'll be that. But the fact that the French Football Federation have opened an investigation proves that something like this can show you in a bad light. And whether Arsenal publicly condemn the actions or condemn the video or not, they will still internally be unhappy about it. Um, Syed asks, do I think we should sign a new striker this th- summer? Thoughts on Edouard from Celtic? Um, I think that beyond Alexander Lacazette, our centre-forward options are limited. I also think that Lacazette is, you know, he- he's good sometimes. He's good a lot of the time. But I still think there are upgrades out there on him. There were players who will get more goals than him, I feel, um, and maybe be a little bit more consistent in their performances. That's not to take anything away from Lacazette's performances lately, because I think he's done quite well. But I do think that we need to look to the future in the centre-forward position, particularly given that Lacazette's contract will have just one more season to run after this one. So, um, you know, what do we do? Do we do we keep him? Do we let it run down, which has obviously bitten us in the arse on many times in the past? Do we do that? Or do we look to perhaps move him on this summer and start planning ahead. I wouldn't trust Eddie and Ketia uh, to be our, our leading centre-forward. I think Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang in this system hasn't always um, hasn't always played the role as well as he should have. And that is the focus, actually, of our members' content this week. So we've got a video dropping tomorrow for our gold members and above. Uh, looking at Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's season, looking at the facts, looking at the stats and the reasons why maybe it hasn't quite gone uh, as well for him as he would have liked. He has been unable to replicate the form he showed in previous seasons. So I'm very much looking forward uh, to sharing that with you guys tomorrow. So every Wednesday, our members-only content will be dropping right here on the Chronicles of Aguna. If you want to become a member and receive access to that, as well as a number of other perks, which include access to our Discord server, whereby we're building a nice little community and we have good, civilised, constructive debate about the Arsenal uh, around the clock, then click the link in the description, check out the tiers of membership available, select which, if any of those appeal to you, and come over and join us right here. Um, so, yeah, we, we going back to that question from side, we've established that I would look at a striker. Um, Odsone Edouard is a player I liked a lot last season. And and admittedly, I don't watch a lot of SPL, but what I have seen this season, I haven't been as impressed. I still think he's got something to offer. Um, And I think given Celtic's financial situation, you could probably get him for a very reasonable fee as well. So he's he's someone to consider for sure. What I like about Edouard is, is he's got the ability to run in behind people. He's got the ability to play um, off the shoulder, but he also has that extra physicality that maybe Alexander Lacazette doesn't. And in games where we are forced to play wide and we're forced to put balls in the box, I think he'd give us a lot more threat in that way as well. Um, so yeah, he's, he's certainly an option. Certainly an option. Um, what else have we got here? Let's see uh, what you guys are saying. Yep, lots of thumbs up. So everything's good. Again, with the stream, uh, big hello to Wada who joins us from Kuwait. Um, Afsar Gunner calling Willian a Chelsea spy and says he hopes that the clown doesn't travel to Rome. It's a little bit harsh, but anyway. Uh, what else have we got? 
uh manny highlights the fact that there are so many people with agendas in our fan base is a shame let's just get behind the team regardless of the manager i i agree um what else have we got here brad richardson says with the players currently out on loan who would you like back in the team if any is a really good question actually um Have the players out on loan? Obviously, Joe Willett's gone out on loan recently. He had a pretty decent debut for Newcastle the other day. Um, but I'm still not convinced that that Joe Willick is someone I want to see in the Arsenal team week in, week out. Um, I don't want Sarah Kalasinac to come back. All due respect to him. Um, you know, his contract ends at the end of the season anyway. So unless we re-sign him, that ain't going to happen. Um I, I quite liked Lucas Torreira when he first came, but I just think that a combination of things, uh, you know, his performances and the fact that he struggled to settle in London, I think have, have hindered him. Um, and in hindsight, you know, we paid a, a fair amount of money for him. I'd be looking to cash in on Lucas Torreira if we can get a decent fee for him. Uh, Matteo Genduzzi, I believe, has got the attributes. I really do believe this kid has got the attributes to go on and be a real imposing physical powerhouse of a midfielder, but he needs to sort it out up here. Um, he needs to sort his attitude out if he's going to achieve the heights that we we think he's capable of. If I was going to take a gamble and bring him one of them back, if I could only bring one back, he would be the one because I feel like he's the one that's got the highest ceiling in terms of what he could become. So yeah, uh, I'd probably pick Genduzi there. Um, what else have we got in terms of your question? Um, Martin Laguna says, Harry, do you think the club will back Arteta in the transfer market this summer if we don't get any European football, which is a possibility? I do think, Martin, that Arsenal's qualification or failure to qualify for Europe will have a massive impact on what we do financially in the summer. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I do have a bit of a gut feeling, though, that the Cronkies will make some funds available. Look, I don't expect Arsenal to go out and spend 200 million on, on four players. Uh, but I think Arsenal are fully invested in Mikel Arteta. I really do. And I feel like the Thomas Partey proved that even further, that actually Arsenal uh, do believe in Mikel Arteta and what he can do. And I think they will, if they continue to see the culture heading in the right direction at the club and the signs of progress are there. And, and as I said yesterday, those signs are not always crystal clear. And that's why it's been difficult, really, isn't it, to to really justify or judge whether or not Mikel has taken us forward. I think if you look beyond the surface, and the surface being our league position and the fact that we've lost 10 games already this season, I think if you look just below that, you can see signs. You can see an improved defence. You can see an improved culture. You can see the emergence of a style of play. You can see the emergence of some young players. So I, I do think if you look just under the surface, there has been progress. And I think for that reason, I think Arsenal will back um, will back Mikel Arteta. But it's difficult to define what backing him is. You know, I think they will do what they can within their means. But I think we've got to accept that the loss of revenue suffered um, this season and, and at the, in the second half of last season is massive, not just for Arsenal, on a number of football clubs. And that could be a real problem. Uh, AFC High says, Harry, who do you think will go in the summer? Um, it's a tough one. 
at the moment I'm feeling as though uh, following Balogun is going to go because um, there's no news of him signing a contract yet. Um, perhaps Lacazette will go if, if the right offer was on the table. I don't know. Um, but I think many of the players that I expected to go in the summer that were due to go in the summer because of their contracts expiring and, and whatnot have been moved on in January. Um, so I feel like the summer's going to be one more of incomings than outgoings, uh, if I'm honest. But thank you uh, again for your very kind super chat donation. Really appreciate it. Uh, Franklin says, Harry, do you think Giroud would have done better in this current Arsenal setup, considering that he has a better hold up and link up play thoughts? Yeah, I, I love Olivier Giroud. Um, I liked him when he was at Arsenal and fans were getting on his back and saying he was crap and he was crap. And again, it's a bit like when you're measuring the, the progress of, of Arsenal under Mikel Arteta. In order to understand Giroud's value, sometimes you have to look just below the surface. The surface being the number of goals he scores. Sometimes you have to look beyond that and say that the link-up play, the fact that he was able to occupy centre-halves, bring Alexis Sanchez in from the left, bring Ozil in from a slightly deeper position. I thought Giroud was imperative to those two playing well. Being a wall, somebody that you could bounce the ball off and move. In. And I thought that he was really key in that sense. Obviously had his limitations, not blessed with a great deal of pace, carries pretty much no threat on the counter-attack, um, etc., etc. But I think at times this season, we've been crying out for that physical presence in the middle. Um, and, and although Lacazette is playing better now, he hasn't been playing that way all season. And that is why um, somebody like Giroud, a, a slightly different option that still brings to the table what Mikel Arteta is looking for from a centre forward would have been would have been a good um, um, would have been a good uh, good option to have. Big hello to Andrew, who says, truly appreciate you and your work, Harry. So grateful for a grounded podcast about Arsenal that doesn't have all the ranting. Thank you so much, Andrew. Really appreciate it, mate. And thank you for joining us. Um, Carrie Tanninen says, should Arsenal try to get someone really great to be a leader, the new Burkamp? Obviously, I want Arsenal to sign the best players in the world, but financially right now, is that viable? Um, I've seen, you know, we were having a discussion about it yesterday on the Same Old Arsenal podcast. And, and you know, check that out. Um, check out the Same Old Arsenal podcast. Um, have a have a listen back to yesterday's show. Some really good debates, some really good points made on, on, on either side of the fence. Um, so please do head over there and check it out. But, you know, the name of, and the reason I mentioned Same Old Arsenal was because the name of, of Erling Haaland was mentioned as someone Arsenal should be looking to go for in the summer. And I, I just look at players like that and I think everybody in Europe will be after that player. You know, he's that good. I think he's brilliant. Will Arsenal be able to compete with, with everybody in the, in the transfer market? My gut feel is no, but having said that, the pandemic has, in a way, levelled out the playing field a little bit more. It's given football a little bit of a reset financially. Um, football at the top, top level. I mean, football below that level has been damaged significantly. But I'm talking about the Premier League clubs. It's kind of put a little bit of perspective into the whole craziness of the transfer market. You know, the fact that we were talking about players going for mad money. Now, I think that's going to calm down a little bit off the back of what's just happened. I think clubs will be wary of what may happen in the future now and may feel as though 
they need to be a little bit more responsible in terms of their finances. So I think football is going to go through a bit of a change now, a bit of a reset. And whilst I'd love to bring in someone really great, like like you say, Carrie, someone like Erling Haaland to lead our line, I'm not sure that it's, it's, it's possible at the moment. Look, don't get me wrong. I hope I'm wrong. And I hope it happens because he's fantastic. Um, it, it really is. Uh, Maxwell asks, what do you think about Ivan Tony at Brentford? Um, I've seen highlights of Brentford this season, mate, but not much more than that. Um, yeah, uh, decent. Um, decent player. And uh, yeah, I, I think he, he can have a career in the Premier League moving forward. I'm not sure uh, that Arsenal's the place for him, but yeah, uh, looks a decent player. Uh, big hello to is that the real troops will the real troops please stand up is that actually troops in the chat if it is how you doing mate um, welcome to the channel um, yeah if it is actually troops because I've seen some accounts pop up in here before um, saying it's troops and it's not so yeah uh, if it is troops um, how you doing man hope you're all good um yeah, hope you're all good, man. Probably uh, remember we had a bit of a debate once in the 90 Min studio um, about Arsenal. I think it was me, you, and was it? I can't remember who the other person was. No offense to them. I just it completely slipped my mind. But yeah, anyway, if that is if that is you, man, um, welcome to the channel. Uh, thanks for coming. Thanks for dropping in. Um, Zvi talks about Willock. Uh, because I mentioned some of the players that I'd like to see coming back, I, I, I still don't think that um, I still don't think that he's necessarily Arsenal level. Um, but but Zwei says that he thinks he's what's needed next to Partey. What do you think he should improve on to achieve that? I feel like with with Willock, he's a bit of a he's a bit of a of an Aaron Ramsey. He's a bit of a Actually, no, Aaron Ramsey's a bad example. Scrap that. Take that off the record. He reminds me a little bit of Frank Lampard in the sense of what his main, main strength is, is getting into the penalty area late and and contributing in that sense. But when you look at some of his other attributes, i.e. his ability to sit in front of a defence, his ability to play make from deep, I think that's a little bit missing. And that's why when people talk to me about Frank Lampard, who was an exceptional player, but they make this comparison between Frank Lampard, Paul Scholes and Steven Gerrard. Frank Lampard is the third best for me as an overall footballer. You could argue he had more impact because obviously he um, he went on to win trophies. He you know, scored some really important goals and scored more goals than those two players I've mentioned. But what I'm talking about is the overall game. I, I think Joe Willock lacks um, some of those other attributes. And as a result, I think his overall game suffers. And that's why he he's not trusted by Mikel Arteta. I think Joe Willock in a midfield three works. Um, but if, if you're talking about him playing as an advanced midfielder, does he have the guile necessarily to create opportunities for other people? I would argue no. But, he he does have that ability to run into the box, but it just doesn't fit with what we're doing is, is the what I was trying to get to. It, you know, that was the point I was trying to get around to. If you play with a midfield free where one player has the license to bomb on, that's fine. But with Arsenal, it's a double pivot with an attacking midfielder. Um, 
a little bit further forward. And the purpose of playing that double pivot is because it's defensively solid. I don't think Willett gives you that. But also, playing him as a number 10, I don't think he has the guile necessarily to start in that position. He's effective in those areas when he runs from deep. So it just doesn't quite fit for me. Um, another super chat from AFC High. Thank you so much. Balogun has been selected uh, for the Europa League games. Yeah, of course, he was involved um, earlier in the... Um, in the Europa League as well. Uh, let's pick out a few more questions. I'm going to try and take some from people who I haven't picked up from already. Um, so apologies if I miss some of them out. I'm just trying to pick up from people that I haven't so far so and get as many different people involved as possible. Um, lots of you saying hi to troops. Um, said it might be a fake yeah i don't know i don't know um but yeah what else have we got here um steve stone says um how do you rate arsenal's fan base as a whole i gotta be careful how i answer this one because most of my podcast listenership well pretty much 99 of it is all arsenal fans so i can't afford to piss everyone off um but look i think as a fan base i think we've become a little bit reactionary um, and, and I've been guilty of it as well at times, you know, in the past, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm perfect. Um, you know, we're all humans. We're all passionate about our football club and we all lose our rag from time to time. But I do think as a general comment, you know, as a general fan base, sometimes we just need to chill the fuck down a little bit, um, and calm down because like, for example, you know, the, the Wolves defeat. You know, that that one, it came with a sense of injustice, disappointment, and, and people kind of got over it. And then the Villa defeat, where we actually played, in my opinion, not brilliantly, but to an okay level, against a side who have taken bigger scalps than Arsenal's this season, away from home. We were unlucky with some decisions in that one as well. It just amazed me how we lost to Wolves and everybody was very, was okay with it. Not okay with it, but nobody really dug out the team and the manager for that. And then we go to Aston Villa, which is a much more difficult game. We just about get beat by a silly goal that we caused ourselves. And, you know, all of a sudden Arsenal are, are in crisis again and Mikel Arteta is crap. And th there's got to be a little bit of balance. There's got to be a little bit more perspective when looking at stuff. That's what frustrates me about the Arsenal fan base. It's the really reactionary nature uh, of it. That is a, that gives us a bad name when at time, when, when, sorry, when in reality, all we are is a group of people who love our football club as much as anybody else loves their respective football club. So yeah, I think that some of the platforms whereby um, they have a huge influence are guilty of that and have contributed to that and have given us a name where because those people that because the louder voices are like that because the louder voices do that people think that all the voices are like that and the reality is we're not um so as a fan base it's probably wrong to say that most people are like that but the louder the loudest ones are and and because the loudest ones are that's why our reputation as a group i think is uh, gets tarnished at times want to say a big welcome to Zwei, who's just signed up to become a member of the YouTube channel. Welcome, my friend. Uh, welcome to the Chronicles of Aguna family. Thank you so much 
uh, for signing up. If you're interested in signing up, becoming a member, not only supporting me to bring you more content, but supporting us so we can bring you members only content, which will be coming. Uh, the next one will be dropping tomorrow. Um, and it's on Pierre Emmerich Bamiang. So keep your eyes peeled for that if you're a gold member or above. But you also get access to our um, Discord server where we're talking Arsenal. It's a great little community that we're building up. So come and join us over there. And that's why I make sure, mate, that you um, you click on the uh, community or membership tab on the YouTube channel and, and get the link to the Discord server and come and join us. It'll be a pleasure to have you there. But thank you for signing up. Um, it is very, very much appreciated. And as you can see in the chat, People are uh, welcoming you to the membership family. So thank you so much. Um, D Metal says, I presume you're talking about Lee and Claude. No, I'm not talking about anyone in particular because they're, you know, they have different views to me and I, and I respect those views. Even if I don't agree with them, I just, it's not just those, it's not, Look, those guys have got different views to me and they're, and they're entitled to have those views and it's not a problem. You know, they put those views out in the world. People will agree or disagree with them. And I just feel like you can listen to their views, but you should be able to have your own view based on a number of views from around, you know, the whole scene. You shouldn't just listen to one person and make up your judgment on that. You know, you should listen. If you listen to me and if you listen to Lee or if you listen to Claude, who I've got no issue with, by the way, um, if you listen to those guys, you might agree with one thing I said. You might agree with another thing that they said. And your view, I think, should be made up of what you believe to be all the best bits um, from what people are saying. That's how I try to put my views together. It's fine that people have different views to me. I don't always agree with the way some people go about it. And that's not a dig at those two um, in particular, because they're not the only ones who have a big influence. And sometimes in, in my opinion, may go a little bit OTT on a certain thing. You know, I, I, I'm not, I wasn't meaning that to dig out anybody specifically because I'm not in that business. It's not what I'm about. It's not what I'm looking to do. But what I will say is, there are a number of channels, there are a number of podcasts, you know, that have far bigger reaches and influences than this one does. And I think that because of the narrative or, or the way they sometimes act, the whole Arsenal fan base has, has been painted in a, in a bad light. When in reality, we're not all super reactive one way or the other. Um, and that's the point I'm trying to make. From an outsider looking in, you will naturally go by what you see from the biggest voices. And sometimes what you see from the biggest voices is justified. The outrage is justified. The points are, are valid, but sometimes the points are not valid. Sometimes the outrage is not justified. And, and you've got to be able to determine, you know, which is, you've got to be able to make your own mind up, basically. That's, that's all I'm saying. Um, Alcart makes a really good point as well. He says, you can listen to fans and agree with them on some points. Doesn't mean you share their views in everything you say. Absolutely. And and talking about this channel, you know, there are lots of you who are regular viewers who I see in the chat and in the comments after every single video who constantly disagree with me. And that's absolutely fine. Um, as long as that's done in a, in a respectful way, then there's no problem doing that whatsoever. Uh, but we just got to like, you know, we we just need to do it in in a way whereby we're 
we're all respectful to each other. Nobody's, um, you know, digging anybody out and, and it's done uh, in a way by which we can have a constructive debate and, and, and not just not just always be looking to gun for each other all the time. Um, Jet Plays Game says, rants get the big views. It's that simple and why they do it. I completely agree. Um, I completely agree that if you're looking to go big on YouTube, if that's your uh, career ambition, which is nothing wrong with that being your career ambition, I think, you know, YouTube has, has been great in so many ways. But if, if that is what you want to do, then yes, the, the overreactionary stuff at times, I think, sells. Um, those people would never admit that they do it. Um, but there is an element, an element of showmanship required if you want to go, um, if you want to go to the very top of YouTube. That's that's just the way it is. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, that's that. Brings us to the end of this live edition of the podcast. Hope you've enjoyed it. We've discussed the switching of the Europa League tie. Uh, so just to summarise, Arsenal will face Benfica in the first leg in Rome. The second leg is also expected uh, to be moved, um, but we don't have any confirmation on that. Uh, what else have we got? We've discussed the William Saliba thing a little bit more. Of course, we, we're hearing that the French Football Federation are going to open up an investigation about that because whatever it was that took place seemed to happen on international duty. We've discussed some of your questions as well in the live chat. Wanted to talk a little bit about Kieran Tierney and his injury problems, but didn't really get around to it because of the, the, the level of interaction, which is great. I'm not complaining for a second. So we'll touch on that a little bit. Uh, on one of tomorrow's streams. Until then, take care of yourselves and uh, we'll speak soon. Ciao. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. <laughs>